This is Linux Reality, Episode 16, SUSE Linux 10.1, Part 1. Hello everyone, this is your host, Chess Griffin, and welcome to the Linux Reality Podcast. Last week we discussed partitioning, uh, how to install a bootloader, as a way to sort of prepare for a Linux hard drive install this week. And so that's what we're going to do this week. We're going to kind of do a walkthrough, a hard drive installation of SUSE Linux 10.1. And uh, this will prepare us for the next couple of weeks when I think we'll, you know, dive a little bit deeper into SUSE Linux and, and explore it and talk about some of the issues that, that have cropped up since it's been released. But overall, I think it's a very fine distribution and it'll be a good, good one for us to, to check out. Now, the episode this week, this installation sort of assumes that you've prepared your hard drive in advance for this installation, you know, either by wiping out other data or creating a free partition or, you know, doing something, you know, basically creating some space on which you can install Linux. So that's sort of a, a sort of a built-in assumption here. Um, and, you know, speaking of partitioning, I wanted to say I used the Gparted live CD to repartition a drive this past week, and it worked really, really great. This is the first time I've used it. It's a very small live distribution, like 35 megabytes or something like that. But it's basically a partition magic replacement, if you will. I mean, it doesn't do anything other than partitioning. But with it, I resized a Linux partition. I removed and then repartitioned some other space and created some swap space and kind of did all sorts of stuff. And it all worked great without any incident. Now, I didn't use it on any sort of Windows partition, you know, FAT32 or NTFS. So... I can't speak as to its ability to resize, you know, a Windows partition, but apparently it can do that, you know. But again, I, I have not, uh, I have not tried that. But for the Linux partitions that I, that I had on this particular drive, it worked great. So well, I would advise you to check that out. It's a great little tool to have. All right, let's check out some feedback, starting with a voicemail from Roshan. Message for you, son. Hello, Mr. Chess Griffin. Uh, I'm Roshan from uh, Mumbai, Maharashtra State, India. Um, and I'm probably the first one to uh, give you an audio feedback on your podcast uh, from India. Um, I use uh, Red Hat Linux 9.0 as my distribution. Uh, I know it's pretty old, but I'll be upgrading it soon. Your podcast is absolutely fantastic. Uh, I listened to it. I haven't heard all of them, but I'll be hearing them soon. Uh, it would be great if you include uh, how Windows users could migrate to Linux. Well, Roshan, you are right. You are the first person to send me some audio feedback from India, and I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, glad to hear that you've been using Red Hat 9.0. I actually used that distribution several years ago. It's very nice. Uh, it, as you mentioned, it is a little dated, but, hey, this, it's Linux. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I know people who are running, I don't know, four-year-old distributions or, or older. So, that's hey, that's great. So, I'm glad you're enjoying it. And I do plan to get to some some topics about, you know, migrating from, from Windows. The problem is that's such a big topic, you know, that, it, that I kind of intend to cover that, you know, along the way as we get to different topics, you know, covering email or, or games or that kind of thing. So it might be hard to do just one episode on that whole topic, but I don't know. That's something to think about. So, But uh, Roshan, I really do appreciate the feedback. Thank you very much. And I got another email here. I'm writing to thank you for the Linux Reality Podcast. I'm a new Linux user, Fedora Core 5. 
and have found the series to be very helpful. Keep up the good work. And that's Jack. Well, Jack, that's great. New user, and you're using Fedora Core 5. That's great. That's one distribution I haven't tried out. At least, I should say number five. I've used Fedora Core 1, I think it was, was the last time I tried Fedora. So uh, Fedora Core 5 looks really great, and I'm glad that you're uh, using that and you're enjoying it. Uh, Thanks again, Jack. All right, with that, let's get right to it, and this is going to be a walkthrough of SUSE Linux 10.1. Okay, so the idea of this segment in this episode is to go through an installation of SUSE 10.1 onto your hard drive. Now, I'm kind of assuming that you've already cleared some space, you know, made a partition, got some room ready on the hard drive to do this installation. And, you know, there are some great video walkthroughs of this, and I will put links to those video walkthroughs in the show notes, but I thought it might be helpful to have an audio one as well. So that's what we're going to do. Just going to kind of walk through it, and I'll just kind of make some comments as we go through. So, okay, if you insert the uh, first CD or the DVD, if you've downloaded and burned the DVD into your hard drive and you boot it up, you eventually get to an initial menu, and it's got the following options. Boot from hard disk, installation, installation ACPI disabled, installation local APIC disabled, installation safe settings, rescue system, and memory test. And there are also some options at the bottom for help, F1, F2 you can select a different language, and F3 are some other boot options. What I'm going to do is just select the second option down, installation, and then press return. This will load the Linux kernel uh, that this uh, SUSE 10.1 uses, and then it will start loading the installation program, and you get a nice blue background, very nice graphic with a little uh, circular uh, thing that kind of goes around to show you that that something is happening, you know, that it hasn't hung or anything. And uh, this will continue on for a minute or two until the installation program itself uh, starts up. Okay, and once the installation program has loaded up, the first screen that you're presented with is a language selection. So you just make your selection and then click Next down at the very bottom right-hand corner. The next screen that comes up is a license agreement, which you can read, of course, if you want. And then if you're okay with it, select Yes, I agree, and click Next. And at this point, it will start probing your hardware and loading modules and basically analyzing the computer. The next screen that comes up, it says Installation Mode and you can select a new installation or an update. That is, if you have SUSE on your hard drive previously. Now there's a box there where you can include add-on products from separate media, but we're just going to leave that alone for right now and just do new installation and then click next. All right, and then the next screen to come up is where you can select your region of the world and your time zone. And then down at the bottom, you can select whether your local hardware clock excuse me, whether your hardware clock is set to local time or UTC. And if you change it to local time or change it to UTC, then the time and date in the box to the right will change. So you can just look at that and and see what looks right. And most of the time, I think your computers are set to local time. So just check that. Make sure your time and date are correct. And if not, you can click Change and then click Next. Okay, the next screen allows you to choose one of the two main desktop environments, GNOME or KDE. 
and you can select some others as well. But we're just going to go with KDE. We're going to do kind of default installs for, for this uh, walkthrough. So select KDE and then click Next. All right, the next screen to come up says Installation Settings at the top. And now this is this is an important screen. This what this has done is set um, some basic uh, 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 options for various points of the installation. For example, you'll see the two tabs. It says Overview and then Expert. Overview is probably selected by default, and you'll have there are three things listed: partitioning, software, and language. Now, partitioning it will it tells you what it's about to do. And you'll see it may say format partition slash dev slash HDA one or two or something. And what it's doing is it's creating two different partitions with the free space that you've got. That's what it, that's what it may be doing. Everyone is probably going to be a little bit different, but it looks like what at least for what it's doing for me is is creating a separate home and a separate root partition, both with the Reser file system, Reser FS, and then it sets the mount point for the for the Windows, if you have Windows uh, installed, and then it will also select a space for swap uh, file. Now, if this partitioning is not correct, or if this is not right, then click on the word partitioning. It's a link, and it will take you to a new screen that says suggested partitioning. Now, for mine, it didn't do it the way I wanted it to do. It was trying to create different partitions on different uh, uh, or different mount points on different partitions. And I have one block of empty space, and for purposes of this installation, I'm just going to create one big installation. In other words, I'm not going to have a separate home. So here at the bottom, it, says, it gives you the options to accept its proposal, to base a partition setup on this proposal, or to create your own custom partition setup. So for me, I'm going to create custom partition setup and then click Next. And the next thing is it will tell you first if you want to just partition the entire hard drive, if you want, if you want it to take over the whole hard disk, it, that's your first choice. Your second choice is a custom partitioning, and it says for experts. So for me, I'm going to click Next. And now it will give you basically a, a listing of all the partitions that you have on the hard drive. And on this particular computer that I'm installing, I've got a bunch of different Linux distribution, so I have dedicated one specific partition for this installation, and I know which one it is. So if you're doing it this way, you'll need to look down the list and find the partition that you have made available for uh, SUSE and and highlight it, okay, and then select Edit down at the bottom. And what this will let you do is to then a box will open up that will allow you to edit that partition. And if you're going to select a, 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 your custom partition, you'll want to format it. So you select Format and leave um, Riser as the file system. And then on the right-hand side, you'll see FSTAB options. This is your this is the file that lists all your mount points, and you shouldn't need to really necessarily change anything in there. But right underneath it, you'll see a a, a little drop-down box for mount point. And you'll want to select that and select the very first partition, which is just the root, just the forward slash, all by itself, and then click OK. And then you'll be taken back to the screen, and you'll see now under the column that says Mount, the partition you, you selected with just the forward slash, the root partition there. And then it should also have your swap file 
with swap as the mount point. So basically what you're doing in here is selecting the mount points based on the partitions you have made uh, that you've got available. Now if you want, you know, if your computer has Windows and say on 10 gigs and you've got 10 gigs left over empty, what it hopefully has done is, is in its initial state, it, it found that free space and has just put everything in there, you know, whether it's one big partition or whether it's divided it into two partitions. I think usually what it does is it leaves everything under one main partition in your free space. But you'll really want to pay attention to this partitioning selection in the installation settings. So when you click OK, you'll be taken back to this screen entitled Installation uh, Settings. Now, a couple other things you're going to want to check here before you continue on. Software, of course, will let you change your software selection. If you, I'm just going to leave it default. And for, right now it says Standard System with KDE, 2.1 gigs total. And then Language. Uh, for me, it's English US. Now, there's not anything else here under the overview, so you want to select Expert, the Expert tab. And this will give you some more detail and some additional things to choose uh, to, to change. And the most important one here is booting. Select the booting link. It will take you to a page called Bootloader Settings. Now this goes back to what I talked about in the last episode about where you want to put your bootloader. SUSE uses Grub, and I think what the default is is to um, is to install it at the master boot record. So let's see here. First, the, we've got two tabs: section management and bootloader installation. Section management is what you. This is where you can change the menu that Grub will display when you boot up. So if you want to change settings, this is where you can do it. You can even change the label. So, you know, if you have Windows and it, let's say it just says Windows and you want to change it so it says Windows XP, you can select your Windows label and edit and, ch and change the label. That's what this is doing. But the other tab, Bootloader Installation, is what I want to look at. Okay, if you select that, uh, you'll see a drop-down box that says Grub, and you can also select Lilo instead if you'd rather, and you can also have it select, not install any bootloader if you're going to do it all on your own. But I'm going to leave it at Grub. And then here's the important part. Bootloader location. Okay, master boot record. For me, it says master boot record of dev HDA. And the next uh, uh, radio that box that you, or radio button that you can select instead of that is boot sector of boot partition. And for me, it's slash dev slash HDA5. Because I've got this on a, on a separate partition here. Well, on this particular computer, I've got a bootloader all set up. So I don't want to mess with my bootloader. And so I do not want it to install its master boot record for sure. Instead, I want to select boot sector of boot partition slash dev slash HDA5. In other words, it's going to install the bootloader on my SUSE partition at the front of my SUSE partition, HDA5, not at the front of the bootloader of the master boot record. That's very important because then when it reboots for the first time, I'll go into my own bootloader and, and add a new entry for SUSE at dev HDA5, and then it will jump to HDA5 when I select it, and then SUSE's Grub will load up, and then I can use Grub at HDA5 to then boot into SUSE. Hopefully that makes sense. So that's what I'm going to select, and then I'm going to click Finish.
OK, and then after you select Finish, it will take you back to the installation settings screen. And you can scroll down and see if there's anything else you want to change, time zone, language, default run level. I would just leave that at 5. OK, you can select the Overview tab again if you want. And everything looks good, so I'm going to, I'm going to click Accept, the bottom right-hand corner. And then it asks you to confirm. You can go back, or if you click Install, it will format your hard drive or the partitions that you've selected and it will install the initial set of packages. So I'm ready to go and I'm going to click install. And okay, so it's formatting uh, the dev HDA5 partition and it's mounting the root uh, partition to that and it's mounting my swap partition and then it uh, there. Okay, now it's starting to install the packages. So this will take a few minutes and through the power of audio editing, I'll be back in one second or two, and my installation will be done. Okay, once the package management installation is done, it does some uh, you know, cleaning up and changes and, and saves the configuration, installs the boot manager, and then it says that it's going to reboot, and it uh, performs the initial reboot. So upon the reboot, it will uh, take you to the Grub menu, and you should have SUSE Linux 10.1 as the first entry. You may have a, a, a Windows entry or another Linux entry. And then I think the last one is SUSE Linux 10.1 Failsafe. And again, at the very bottom, you can enter in boot options. Uh, I won't get into that right now. And there's also F1 for help and F2 for language. But assuming everything's OK, just highlight the very first entry, SUSE Linux 10.1, and press Enter. Okay, once it finally uh, finishes booting up back into the uh, installation program, what you'll be at is a place where you can set your uh, host name and, and uh, the domain for, for this particular computer. Now, I don't know where, I, someone mentioned that this is new, that they used to not ask this um, uh, of you, but now they do. And, and I mean, most distributions, I guess, ask you to, to insert this information. You can probably go with the defaults, but for me, the defaults was kind of strange. The host name was like Linux dash, and then a bunch of random characters, and the domain name was site. I don't know. It's just me, but I'm used to using local host and local domain. That's just that's what I always end up doing, uh, at least for test uh, computers. So enter in whatever you want, and then click Next. The next screen is where you're going to enter the password for the root user. So be sure to you know pick a good one and enter that twice and then click next. Okay. The next uh, screen is the network configuration and what it will do is it will list any uh, network adapters that it found. It will uh, has the firewall entry, uh, network interfaces, DSL connections, ISDN adapters, modems, that sort of thing. And each one of these little headings in the in the right hand side, you know, network mode, firewall, network interfaces, those are links to modules, if you will, where you can uh, change any settings that you want. Now, the network mode, I think you can just leave that alone. Firewall is says it's enabled, and the SSH port is blocked, so I would leave that alone. Network interfaces, you may need to click this and and go to the next screen where you can actually configure your network cards and it will list any or all network cards that you have and I think the default is DHCP uh, as a way for uh, it to obtain its IP address you you know if you need to change this you can go down and select edit and it will take you to a screen where you can set up 
you know, your static IP and your gateway and all that kind of stuff. And I'm assuming if you've got a network and you've got, you know all that stuff, you know how to do this. For most folks, you can probably leave the defaults, you know, D, uh, just leave it at DHCP and, and it will it will get the IP automatically. I've got a static network, so I've got to enter in all this stuff. But once your network card is finished, or once the configuration is finished, you just click Next, and it will take you back to the network configuration main screen, and you can scroll down to see if there's anything else that needs to be configured, like modems and, and that sort of thing. But I think most of the other stuff you can just leave as the defaults. And then click Next, and then it will say that it's saving the network configuration. And the next screen this could take you to is to test your internet connection. And I would select yes to test and then click next. And make sure, you know, that will make sure that you're connected to the internet and it will download the release notes and that sort of thing. So hopefully it says uh, result success. And if so, you can just click next. And now it will let you configure the online update and it will let you you know set that up for uh, to do the online update within within yes i believe it is now i'm torn here because of all the problems i've heard about it i'm what i've done is configure now when it says recommended and so i would go ahead and just leave that uh, and do that and and click next and it will contact a server and and get you know get your I guess it gets the local, the, the, the closest server for you. Uh, I would hope it would know to do that, but this does take a little while, so you may need to leave it and then come back. Just you know, just so you know. Okay, but hopefully it will say your configuration was successful, and an update server has been added to your configuration. You click OK, and then it says Run online update now. And I think for now I'm going to say skip that, and click Next. Uh, authentication method uh, I would leave it at local click next and then here's where you can enter in your local user so enter in all this information and then click next and once you've done that it runs uh, some scripts and uh, saves the system configuration uh, all the settings that you've made and then it will show you the uh, release notes you can read that click next and then it will the last section of the installation is hardware configuration and again it will take a minute or two to analyze your system and it's kind of like the other pages where you can uh, it'll list things and you can make changes to it if you want so for me the first entry is graphics cards and it will list what it found and anything that's underlined is a link and I think that's where you can go to make changes to this stuff, including testing the configuration if you decide to try to make changes. You know, if, if your card has open source uh, 3D acceleration drivers, hopefully uh, those will be activated for you. The next section, section is printers, sound, TV cards, Bluetooth. You know, if you've got a Bluetooth card or something, any of that stuff should be listed here. And you can click on the links to configure any of this stuff. You can always skip this because you can reach these... Uh, places in other words you can set these things up once you're in um, you know once you've got everything installed and, and you're in KDE I guess the graphics card would be the main thing you'd want to make sure you can test because you want to be able to you know boot boot into KDE full graphical environment so 
Once you've got all that stuff done, click Next. And then you'll come to a final screen. Congratulations, the installation of On Your Machine is complete. I thought that was funny. They left out. It says the, the installation of On Your Machine is complete. I guess it should say the installation of SUSE Linux on your machine is complete. Anyway, click Finish, and that is that. And then it will, um, you know, finish up the installation. You'll see kind of a black screen with some text. It's doing some final configuration steps. And then it's then a graphical screen will come up again. It will look like when you initially booted the blue screen with SUSE Linux 10.1 and KDE 3.5.1 underneath it. And uh, this is set to auto login. So the user that you had created it's going to auto automatically log into KDE as that user, and then you get you into KDE. Very nice, very nice uh, uh, KDE configuration here, and uh, there you go. There's that KDE startup sound, and you're in. So, pretty cool. We'll check out more detail over the next week or two, and uh, we'll have a lot of fun. So, time to wrap up the show. Okay, well, hopefully you found this little walkthrough helpful, and uh, you know I know it's pretty straightforward. And uh, for those who've already done it or not planning to do it, maybe this wasn't that helpful. But I just thought it'd be nice to kind of do one, uh, you know, in an episode, an actual hard drive installation. So, uh, as I mentioned, I will put links to those video casts of the installation, and, and uh, I think those will be really helpful as well. So. Uh, next week, we're going to continue with SUSE Linux 10.1, get get down into it a little bit more, and maybe talk about some of those issues with the package management that I, that I touched on and see if we can't find some fixes to that. I, it's pretty well documented by now, and kind of go through that and maybe take a look around the initial KDE desktop. So stay tuned for that. And, uh, again, thanks so much for the feedback, and thanks for participating in the forums. Uh, the feedback and the, and the forums participation are great. I really like sense of community that we're building here so and it's all thanks to you guys i mean you're just a fantastic audience so this is a thing for all of us to do together and i look forward to doing more so take care everyone i'll catch you all next time this has been episode 16 of linux reality see you later bye-bye